Hi, my name is Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. Today, we are lucky to be joined by Joel Heath. He is the founder of Fluid Stance, and we're really excited to talk to him today to learn more about the mission of Fluid Stance and all of the research that's been done behind it. So we're really going to be focusing in on that today. So hi, welcome, Joel. Thank you very much. I appreciate uh, for you guys having me on today. It's exciting. We're excited to have you. We would love for you to introduce yourself, so to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you came from, and what motivated you to create Fluid Stance. Oh, man, that's always a loaded question, but uh, my <laughs> name's Joel Heath, and uh, you know, I think I've dedicated most of my career to graying the lines between work and play. Uh, right out of school, I uh, wanted to get into scary management, uh, which was pretty untraditional, and my dad wasn't all that excited about it, but uh, had the opportunity to uh, get to Vail and uh, make a road. This is back before scary were publicly traded back in the 90s. And uh, you only got into management through ski school or ski patrol. So I uh, uh, went through the ski academy, got hired as a ski instructor. And right after graduating, uh, moved to Vail, Colorado and uh, took an internship and only lasted in that inter- internship for two days and, and ended up getting a job offer uh, working on the summer side of the product. So uh, really never went into to actual ski school itself, but uh, really just started to understand what the dynamics of a ski resort is and how that balance between winter and summer looks. But more than anything, I just really started to uh, find that sweet spot between pursuing something I love, but more importantly, being in a place that I love and also um, doing great work. So uh, Vail really became kind of that, that nice spot for me and had the opportunity uh, to build an event um, which became the largest outdoor adventure event in the world. It's called the Mountain Games, um, now the GoPro Mountain Games. And uh, had a lot of fun just putting athletes on a platform and, and kind of mixing that that fine line between the best athletes in the world and, and your average Joe and putting them on the start line. And um, just really had a lot of fun doing that, but delivering a great product. But had the opportunity to sell that event in 2008. And part of my sale was contingent upon my title sponsor, uh, uh, coming with it. And, uh, they joked at the time, we'll sign this, but, uh, you're going to have to come work inside for us. And we all joke, but, uh, two weeks after that, they actually said, yeah, we really do want you to come inside. So I came inside the company Decker's outdoor corporation, which owns a lot of great brands, including Teva, which is the brand that I was a part of, uh, Ugg boots, Sanook, Hoka, a lot of great brands, but helped have a turnaround and really be authentic to who they were. But it was at that space I had gone from, you know, playing and working my butt off. Uh, I was skiing or mountain biking 68 days a year. And all of a sudden, ironically, inside an adventure brand, I was sitting in a conference room or at my desk 60 hours a week and uh, just started to lose my mojo. And I really just didn't start to feel like I was when I was uh, mixing play. I mean, it was common for us to have uh, a staff meeting on the chairlift, and then all of a sudden I'm uh, sitting in conference rooms more than I ever pleased. So I, I started to try to figure out how you can create movement in your workplace, but still get your job done. And that's really where the first inkling of first uh, fluid stance started to begin and uh, really started to have some fun with some ideas on how work doesn't have to be done in a traditional manner. And uh, since then, uh, gosh, that was 2009. I've, I've really started dedicating myself to making sure that play is still an important part, but what I would play, what I would term as productive play. And uh, that's really where we got to fluid stance. 
That's awesome. Uh, I like the um, story of your trajectory through what, you know, are some more non-traditional jobs, but also, you know, with some really great, you know, background in some really generalizable skills that you've been able to use in a lot of different ways. Um, and I appreciate your passion for, you know, doing things that you find enjoyable and fun and uh, some wellness focus in there too. By the way, the Sanuk um, yoga mat sandals are literally like the only thing I wear all summer long. I'm obsessed with them. So, um, I them I, <laughs> yeah, they're like the best, the best shoe in the world. So anyway, um, so that, that excited me. Um, but, uh, but I would love to hear a little bit more about what fluid stance does and, uh, what, what you all, um, you know, are working on right now so that our listeners could get a better sense of, um, how the company is growing and, and what you're intending to do with it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's ironic, but my first real desk job, right, was almost 15 years into my working career. And I started to feel the pain that that everybody was experiencing and um, sitting at a desk and, and in that conference room and, you know, 100,000 miles on an airplane every year, like just things started to shorten up. My hip flexors, my posture started to get awfully uh, disgusting <laughs> and started <laughs> to look at ways that uh, we could create that movement and make movement to matter. Um but most importantly, I uh, started to look at how you can maintain productivity. So like so many others, I went to a standing desk. This was pretty early in the standing desk world, and I loved it. But I figured out that I had just moved the pain from my backside um, all of a sudden to my knees, my feet, and my hips. And um, anybody that's worked retail understands standing is really hard. And so I quickly discovered that standing wasn't the silver bullet. And um, I didn't think sitting was the antichrist either. And so I started to look around and obviously uh, movement really made a lot of sense. And I can tell you, I was sitting at a restaurant all by myself just thinking, do I pursue this idea or not? And I looked across the street and there was this group of five moms that were all sitting having coffee and they all had newborns and every one of them was just rocking back and forth just with a little subtle uh, it, just rock in the day. And it just, it just made a lot of sense to me. It's like, Hey, why is rocking uh reserved for the littlest of us? And uh, this cubicle is very much like other places in our life. I need movement too. And so I set out on a trajectory to look at how that movement could be created and started playing with uh, 27 different prototypes in my garage, trying to find enough movement to banner, but not too much to distract. And we kind of set this threshold saying, okay, we have to increase our energy expenditure by at least 10%, but we need to make sure we have less than a 1% impact on productivity, meaning, uh, and, and we utilize keystroke productivity as that that threshold to decide whether we are in the right or wrong. And so that's where we tried to look at, okay, uh, treadmill desks are awesome, uh, but a lot of distraction comes with that kind of movement. And then sitting is great when you need a rest, but it's not great for all day long. And so we wanted to try to find that sweet spot and started to play with different things. Uh, we quickly discovered with the doctor that we were working with that certain uh, geometry was overstretching the calf and the Achilles for all day use. And so we needed to try to limit that to uh, 16 degrees where that's where our utility patent is, is our, our product limits how much stretch you get in your calf and Achilles. So it is a product that could be utilized all day long as well. And so um, fluid stance is really that physical manifestation of the movement that I saw in a lot of new moms, uh, gosh, almost five years ago that really put me over the top. That's such an interesting um, idea, though, looking at new moms. I would never have thought that would lead you to where you went because 
uh, Katina and I both were lucky enough to have one of your boards or decks, and we really, really enjoy them. Um, and I, it makes sense now that you say the new moms, but I would never have thought of that. So that's so interesting to me. Uh, it's completely selfish, you know, for me is I, I couldn't stand still anymore. And anybody that's been in a meeting with me knows that uh, I, I tend to have a hard time and really just prefer to have movement in my life. So movement's medicine, you hear a lot. And uh, I, I believe that the, the, you know, the brain follows what the body's doing. And so uh, whether it's uh, looking at new moms, or, you know, I even looked at my, my first child, he was starting kindergarten, and he had a life of play for the first five years of his life. And then all of a sudden this, this day in kindergarten, we throw him on a mat on a Monday and he's supposed to sit in the square. And if he can't sit in the square, there's something wrong with him. It just doesn't make sense. And so this movement that we're up to is really about just getting us back to what feels natural and what is natural for all of us. And uh, it's not sitting all the time. It's not standing all the time. And it's not moving all the time. It's that moderation is the ultimate uh, formula in my opinion. And so that's one of the things that we're trying to preach is that there's a time to sit, a time to stand and a time to move. Yeah. Balance is key and everything else. Yeah. I think it's really interesting too, because some of the most, um, I'm really, uh, and have been throughout my life really into dance and Mm -hmm. some of them like, you know, ancient, like tribal dances that people do were based on just movements that they got from nature and they were really nourishing to people and provided really good exercise to people. But it was like, you know, you're rocking a baby or you're carrying food back and forth, or you're doing something. All of those motions provided what ended up being like really great rituals for exercise for people. So I think sometimes uh, you're right. Like we have all these prescriptions about what exercise needs to look like or what helps you to get movement in. And I think that um, your idea of, you know, finding that medium of, you know, how do you get some movement in while you're working um, and deriving that from sort of the natural movements that you saw around you is really cool. Um, So that's, that's a, I, I like that story a lot. Could you talk a little bit about what research, uh, you mentioned that you worked with a doctor and you found that this like 16 degree angle was the best angle. Um, could you talk some more about some of the research that has been done to support your product or what led you to create the product and what kind of results you're seeing? But, you know, I think one of the first things for me is innovation is often found in pain points. And for me, it was my own personal pain point. Taking this, uh, corporate job led to, a new experience that my body just told me it didn't like. And so I would love to say that we founded Fluid Stance on uh, science and that this was going to make sense, but really it was a theory and it was a hypothesis that movement matters and my, I feel better when I'm moving. And so I started just playing with things that I could find that would just establish that movement. And it was a couple of months into the process that Dr. Jeff Gray um, who is a doctor that we utilized in the footwear world quite a bit in looking at, at uh, analysis of how a foot uh, changes with certain dynamics that we're putting in the shoes. And also Board to Run came out, which is a great book and a lot of runners do. But we also started to look at the minimalist movement within footwear. And if we put too much cushion underneath someone's foot, we had found that they actually have a harder heel strike with which has more reverberation into your bones and joints. And so what we were trying to do is make people feel more comfortable with more cushion, but ultimately it was having a negative effect. And when I looked at the standing market, I saw all these mats out there, which were really in essence, just putting more cushion underneath your foot, just like a shoe. And what I started to have a hypothesis was by creating movement rather than this uh, static cushion the body would have more optimal movement 
it, the body's designed to absorb impact uh, in a movement. It's not designed to absorb impact in a, in a uh, stationary manner. And so I thought that this market was really tricking the consumer by putting more stepping comfort as we use in the footwear world, but stepping comfort on a mat is really not ideal. So Dr. Gray really helped me look at how we can increase that optimal movement. We did a variety of different tests within his lab, looking at uh, sensors on the knees, the ankles, and how we can create as much, uh, mobility in those uh those joints that we could and similar to what you see with walking and so we we experience about a 23 degrees of movement um compared to what you would experience standing and that's very similar to what you would experience walking now you don't get the same cardiovascular benefit as walking walking is far superior but you do have that range of motion which is optimal and dr gray really helped us and we found that some of our prototypes were taking that too far as we talked earlier but we found the sweet spot for us. And that was really uh, important for us. And then throughout that process, we also had the opportunity to work with the Mayo Clinic and Dr. Levine, who really um, termed the, the uh, sentence uh, that sitting is the new smoking, really has worked on this neat concept. It, it's, uh, it's an acronym for non-exercise activity thrombosis, which essentially says, hey, everything doesn't have to be epic. We don't need that hour in the gym to be productive. And in fact, it's proven that if you sit for the rest of the day and just do an hour of gym, it's actually compromised. It's this non-exercise activity that really can have an accumulative effect. And so rather than saying, hey, you got to go on that that one hour jog or anything, it's how do you take ordinary moments and really make them a little bit better? And so with our product, the Mayo Clinic found that we increased energy expenditure by 19.2% more than if you were sitting. Now, 19.2 isn't epic. And if you're on a run, you would be like, oh, this is doing nothing to my heart rate. But the reality is when you take that over the stretch of the day, you start to see a pretty big impact. And it was that research that really uh, solidified what we were doing and what we set out. And then there's ancillary research that we found along the way. About four months in, we did our first user study and found we can increase somebody's ability to stand longer for an hour. And so I kind of likened us to the ranch dressing of the uh, 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 broccoli world, right? We just, standing <laughs> deaths were great, but we made it taste better. And if we can help somebody stand an hour longer, that means they're not sitting. That means that we've actually increased energy expenditure more. But I think the fact that I'm most proud of is 83% of our users say they're happier at their desk on our product. And I could throw away all the caloric burn research that we had. And if I can just make somebody happier, then uh, I've done my job. Now, the reality is if I could put that in a pill, I'd be a billionaire and we'd be done here. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the reality is, is uh, you know, the real activity uh, takes some work and uh, that's what we're up to. I love that. I love everything that you've said about the research because I definitely try to add movement throughout my day just from a anecdotal side of things. Um, I know that just going to the gym once a day is really not going to help me and I can feel that in my body as well. And obviously there's a lot of research to support that. So I really appreciate the approach of trying to help people bring in a little bit of movement while not necessarily making them leave their desk space. So I think that's the big struggle that a lot of people have is you're working, you've got a lot to do. And if you want to add in movement, you might have to take a walk, right? You can stand or sit or go take a walk. But then if you take a walk, unless you're on a call, it's sometimes challenging to do that, to get away. But adding in some movement where you're able to continue to be productive, um, I think is very helpful. So 
from an employer perspective, I would love to know, have you heard anything from employers about how they feel about your product or um, what they're seeing the results are on their employees? I guess I can only anecdotally give that in, you know, the, the companies that continue to buy from us is pretty strong. And we have a net promoter score in the, in the marketing world, there's this NPS score, which is a one through 10. Um, and if you're a promoter, you're a nine and 10, meaning how likely are you to refer this on to a friend or, or a coworker? And our net promoter score is one of the highest I've seen. Like, you know, an Apple sits in the low seventies, Nordstrom's is in the seventies. We, we commonly are sitting in a mid eighties. So I, I think the experience that you have, it, it's the simplicity of the design is what, in my opinion, makes fluid stance so beautiful. There's no motors, there's n- nothing. It's just an extension of your human desire to move. But uh, one of the things that I think I've heard is just, it has a little bit of magic in there. And the reality is, is that magic's just you. Um, it's just a, a vehicle to to have that further that expression. So um I can't mention names here, but we we have one firm that we work with that was getting ready to move into a new office and was relocating people. And their engineer said, hey, hey, we're not moving in there until Fluid Stance is in. And so we got this urgent call, like, how can you get product for us? We need it for our new office. And so um, I guess there's no bigger statement than uh, people's love for our product. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like... um it's really interesting because I'm a pacer. I constantly pace. So when I'm trying to learn something new, when I'm reading, when I'm, um, you know, thinking through something, looking on my phone, when I'm on a call, whatever, I'm pacing. But in my office, it's small. There's no place for me to go. So it's frustrating to me that I can't walk back and forth. So I'm finding it really helpful to have a way to get movement in because um, I, for me, at least it's more so that I'm just like fidgety. I have like uh energy that needs to go someplace. And so it's helpful for me to put it in a place that, you know, is actually doing something for me as opposed to like, you know, just sitting on a call and maybe like talking more with my hands or something, which actually is what I'm doing right now. I'm talking with my (laughs) hands. But, um, but, uh, but I think it's good to refocus people on this idea that your movements during the day don't need to be something huge and crazy. You know, you see everybody and I'm not knocking it, but you see people like going to CrossFit or doing all these things. Like it's like fitness has become this like exacerbating, exacerbating, exacerbating thing. And this idea of health and wellness has become like almost like a competition of who can be doing the craziest, most intense workouts. And I think that, you know, while again, this is not a substitute for running or walking, something like that. But this idea that if you take advantage of those moments where you otherwise would be sedentary, you can make a big difference. I think that's a really strong message for our listeners to hear because um, it can be intimidating sometimes to uh, think about trying to get started in this kind of very like Instagrammy culture that we have where everybody feels like they have to be doing something insane. You bet. I mean, people ask me, what's the best ergonomic position ever? What's the best? And it's the next one, right? It's your body's desire to move to the next step, which creates circulation, which creates all those things. And the same thing's true if we're talking about product innovation or anything. And I like to use the model of 70, 2010 and that 70% of your time should be done doing what you need to be doing. So some of us write better when we're seated, right? Don't feel guilty about that. I, I get confessions all the time. It's like, Joel, I'm a sitter. I'm like, it's okay. You know, <laughs> sitting is okay. It's just a matter of how you do some of the moderation within. So the 70-20-10 model, I think really works well is allow your people to do what they need to do in that 70% of the time to do the tasks that are the basics of the job. So 
uh, email, you know, strategic planning, writing, whatever. But the, the secret sauce is in the 20, in my opinion, because the 10 is true transformational work where you're, you're go for a run, get in the pool, go on a hike where you're spending that, you know, hour a day, if you will, um, going to do something where your cardio is at its highest, but it's this middle part, the 20% we tend to ignore. And that's where you get organic extensions. Uh, you get the, the growth that's meaningful over time. It's not huge. You can't sweat for it, but it's that 20% investment. That is what I would call hybrid movement, where you're taking ordinary movements of what used to be ordinary movements and just adding a little basic activity to it to increase, uh, the Mayo Clinic would say it, it requires a 10% increase in energy expenditure. And that can be meetings, that can be um, thinking time, that could be on a product like ours where you're just doing email, where we do give you a 19% energy lift uh, during email. I mean, who thought email could be productive, but I think we've done it. So um, I think it's that middle time where you see that or that ordinary moments turn into growth moments uh, just through the introduction of uh, uh, non-exercise activity. So in terms of you know, I totally agree that the non-exercise activity, I love this one, 70-20-10 model, because I think it's something very tangible. You know, people don't really think about how much time they need to spend doing this movement, and you've just gave, given them something. Like that, to me, is like, okay, well, I don't have to feel guilty for those moments that I'm sitting down and writing, like you said, because yes, I definitely write better when I'm seated, because I get into this zone, and I would even just standing without any help, I would probably topple over at some point because I'm not really focused on my physical space. Whether or not that's the best approach, that's just the way it is for me when it comes to writing. So knowing that, okay, if I take a big chunk of my day and I still have to sit here and there um, to get certain things done, but having that, being cognizant of that 20% that really should be focusing on to get some additional movement to keep our our bodies um, happy because the healthier you are, the better um, your day is going to go. Honestly, you're, you're healthy. You can actually get through your work. You're going to be more productive. We talk about it all the time on the podcast about the happy, healthy worker um, being more productive and being more satisfied and more likely to stay on the job. So having this tool, um, employers being able to provide something like this to allow their employees to get that physical movement in um, to continue to be healthy and happy and then from the employee perspective, being able to provide yourself some sort of tool to help you with that small movement throughout the day, um, I think is really going to make a big impact on productivity, um, employer and employee satisfaction overall. Have you seen any um, research or have you guys done any research in terms of, I know you mentioned people are just happier in general. What about their perception of their employers or um, you know how they feel just on the job in general? We haven't done any specific research on that, but you know, I would push back to the net promoter score and, and looking at just the overall happiness. If if you're willing to share a product with a friend, meaning that on a one to ten, you're giving it a nine or ten. I'm not talking like a six or seven, but on a nine to ten perspective, you know, I think the proof's in that. In that, mm-hmm. um, perks are great. Um, you know, in this very competitive situation, I think you need to figure out how you can create an atmosphere, uh, that works for the right person. And I think it's in in the day and age where we had a homogenized workplace where this is your desk, this is your chair, this is your workstation. The tension that I think is starting to create and really you're starting to see brands like fluid stance come from it is that employees are saying, no, you know, I want my own personal space. I'm going to give you my mind. You're paying for my mind, but I get to keep my body. 
And one of the things that I saw out of the uh, uh, Human Performance Institute that's owned by Johnson & Johnson, one of the best things that I've seen is that they turn the conversation from uh, health and really to energy. And if you had a machine that was working in your factory and it was slow um, because it didn't get oil the day before, you would address that. Well, the reality is because it's a health question, we can't really have the health conversation with our employee because um, of the obvious protections that we'd want. But if we start to do a little two millimeter shift on that conversation and say, okay, it's not about health. It's actually about energy. And if my employees aren't sleeping well, if my employees aren't moving well, they don't have as much energy and they don't have the ability to have as much strain um, placed on them by the job or their family or whatever. And we got to deal with that. And so the moment that employers start to shift into looking at, okay, how do I optimize employees' energy level? Then you're going to look at the quality of food that they're eating. You're going to look at the quality of life that they're having. You're going to look at how their body's moving in and outside the office to optimize the amount of energy they have to give between nine to five. And the moment we shift on that, um, I think we're going to start to see a productivity fly through the roof. And so that's really what Fluid Stance is about, is how do we personalize the workplace that works uh, for that person, not everyone, because we aren't for everyone. A chair might be right for one person and movement might be right for the other. Um, it's a matter of just giving that flexibility and the moderation that employees need to optimize their energy levels. That's really cool. I mean, I'm thinking about what you're saying. And one of the things I'm wondering if you're facing a challenge with, because you know, a lot of companies that are more forward thinking and more progressive in this area have been thinking about for a little while, you know, how do we how do we address sort of these base needs that employees have? So, you know, you can't come into work sick and expect to be as productive as you would be if you weren't sick. Um, and it doesn't, that's an extreme example, but it, you know, all these little things, not getting enough sleep or not eating properly, et cetera, make you a little bit less well than you would be otherwise. And it has the same impact on a different scale. Um, but are you facing or have you faced uh, challenges in sort of making companies realize that their employees' health is important. I know in some of the consulting work that I've done, I've encountered companies that will say, you know, something to the effect of, well, when I was coming up through the ranks, we didn't have any of this, you know, fancy whatever. I just showed up to work and did my job and whatever. What what do you say or have you faced that? Or if you did face somebody uh, saying that, what would you uh, say to argue that, you know, people need to kind of get out of that and into a more modern way of thinking? I, I think we have more data than we've ever had before. And the question is, how do we turn data into insight, right? Um, th there's this new product that I'm actually wearing today. It's called Whoop. And I'm working with uh, a friend of mine uh, that runs P3 in, in Santa Barbara, the Peak Performance Project. And what Whoop does is look at your ability to recover from strain. And they're looking at it purely from an elite athlete perspective, which I am far from. Um, <laughs> where we're looking at is just the recreational athlete, understanding how much your body recovers overnight, um, how much, you know, space between heartbeats. There's so much data available to us between Fitbit, Whoop, um, all these project products out there that we need to start to look at what affects somebody during the day is also um, being constructed at night. And the thing that's been the biggest learning for me at a whoop is the importance of sleep. And, you know, I, 
as low as five years ago, I used to think sleep was for when I died and <laughs> suck it up. Let's, let's get it done. Who needs to sleep? You know, that was the mentality that I was raised with. That was the mentality that I had with my team. And the reality is the research is so um, persuasive that your ability to recover really impacts your ability to handle strain in the next day to train if you're an elite athlete or, you know, Johnson and Johnson at the Human Performance Institute said, "Hey, we're all corporate athletes. Your ability to perform depends on your physical and mental mental cap- capabilities." So, it, I think that's what I would say is, if you think you're just hiring somebody for pure output, uh, you need to look at their holistic self. And there's too much research that shows that what somebody had the night before in sleep. I mean why people don't give us uh, their employees the best mattresses in the world. It's probably the single easiest investment to increase productivity. Um, (laughs) And I guess I'm helping the mattress companies there, but uh, you know, (laughs) sleep's a big deal. Movement's a big deal. It's all these intangibles that we're coming to realize that really ultimately impacts the, uh, the output of an employee over the the day. Do you know of any companies that give people mattresses? I'm curious. Let's start one. Yeah. That's a good (laughs) idea, right? The mattress today. Why don't Why don't we just go ahead and start one, right? Yeah, no, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, but it, whether it's unlimited time off or freezing your eggs, I mean, it's a matter of how do you start to take care of people. That is our responsibility. Is if you want the most productivity out of people, how do you make their life uh, as holistic as possible to uh, do their best? I think a lot of what we talk about on the podcast and in our articles very much aligns to what you're saying, you know, and it's really interesting to hear about it from the physical perspective, because we talk about it from a psychological perspective. And you know, how do you recover from stress? How do you deal with strain? What are the types of activities um, that you can do to help you kind of re-energize and fill your cup, if you will, Mm -hmm. before you have to go back into work? And, you know, if you if you depleted your psychological resources, then you're going to have a lot of difficulty um, putting in the focus and the energy needed in the workplace. And the same clearly applies from the physical perspective. So um, I think that everything that you've said is very much aligned to all the research that we know and love and hold dear to our hearts um, just from a slightly different. It's view. pretty funny. You guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I've never seen a mind just sitting in an office, right? There's this whole other uh, vessel that comes with it. Right. And so mm-hmm. the, we can't ignore either and we can't ignore the physical side. We can't ignore the mental side. And the moment that we start to look at, I mean, it's easy for us to talk about marketing with Simon Sinek. What it's not the, what it's the why. And you know, we, we as brand champions pound about how we are great at this emotional connection with our consumer. Where is that emotional connection with our employee and what motivates them functionally, technically, but most importantly, emotionally. And, uh, when you start to hit the level in that stratosphere, employees will start to go way beyond reason and be loyal to you uh, more than you can and more productive than I, we could ever imagine. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a combination of everything, right? Like you need to ensure that your workplace is a good positive work environment from you know having good managers that support you and coworkers, not having toxicity in terms of the way people treat each other. Um, being able to manage your workload around your, your life, your personal life as well. And then the physical component comes into play, um, here too. So it's, it's really thinking about people, like you said earlier, holistically. And so your employees are people and the whole person matters to 
to have them be the most effective and the most satisfied, happiest, et cetera, employee. So um, employers really need to be thinking about people that way. And I think there's some organizations that are starting to, mm. and then I think there's some that are a little bit behind. I mean, just think of all the expense reports that are approved over the time and how many client functions with how many hundreds of dollars of alcohol on the tab. And then if you saw somebody's expense report come through with hiking shoes, which one do you think would get approved in most situations? You know, obviously <laughs> it's the dinner because that's the old school way, but you know, how do we start to increase the movement of our employees and how that impact? So yeah, I'm all in. Yeah, that's a great idea too. I mean, I think that we can also start to think about and expanding the ways in which people meet and, uh, you know, generate ideas and have meetings and where they go and what they do. Um, I have a friend of mine who uh, she has walking meetings with people. She'll say, meet me at such and such park, track, whatever. And instead of meeting at a coffee shop or meeting in an office, they'll walk around the track and talk for a while and then go back to the office. So I think you're right. This expansiveness in terms of thinking about how do we offer, how do we think more broadly about how we do business and one of those ways that we can think about doing that is by investing in things that help us to move the needle forward and allowing our employees to get some more of that movement and take care of their physical, emotional selves at work. So I think that's really awesome. Um, so obviously everybody, uh, you know, should have one of your decks. We really like them. Um, but if people don't um, you know, have one right now, or maybe they don't have the budget for one just yet. What are some other kind of practical applications that might stem from uh, the research that you've done that you might recommend people do just to take little steps towards getting that movement? I'm a big believer that balance is the great differentiator. And um, a lot of people misconstrue that as work-life balance and things have to be 50-50 and it's like a scale, it's equal. The reality is it's not. It's in this day and age with technology where it's at is you have to have dynamic balance. And that means going back to that formula of 70-20-10 is you have to have the extremes um, to outweigh just kind of that big chunk of what you have to do. And so there are some little places. If, if you simply brush your teeth on one foot, your balance is going to get better. It's a use it or lose it situation. And the more we're sitting in a flat world, so a chair or the, all the flat carpeting we have in corporate America, the whole world has taken any risk out to the point that we no longer experience the natural instability that our life needs and that our body needs uh, to have a balanced vestibule system, which allows us to learn better, et cetera, et cetera. So you can see it in the research with kids the more PE we're taking out, the more ADHD problems are ha being had. It's not just pure energy. It's just that their system no longer can handle it. And so the, where you can find just ordinary moments, taking the stairs versus the elevator, it's a no-brainer. Um, there's just little stuff like that that are ordinary moments of movement that are possible that can create great change. And uh, we all brush our teeth hopefully twice a day. Um, go to one foot. It, it's two extra minutes in the day that your body has to be out of balance and it'll ultimately seek balance through that instability. That's really good recommendation. I like that one. Very specific uh, in terms of how to get started and then maybe adding some more of that. And I think your body also adapts to, you know, you your balance will get better and then you might say, okay, well, what's the next challenge? Um, and try to keep pushing yourself. I know um, I... Uh, tend to overestimate my physical capabilities. But uh, one, <laughs> one good part of that is that your body actually does um, 
it adapts to what you ask it to do under many circumstances. So um, when I was first starting to do yoga, the only time that worked for my schedule was an advanced Ashtanga class. And I thought like, yeah, sure, I can do advanced, whatever. And I showed up and it was super duper hard and I almost dropped out of it. And the instructor encouraged me to stay with it. Um, and, you know, I, I really did. I surprised myself with what I was able to do um, by just exposing myself to that, trying something new, trying something different. So it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but doing these little things that maybe you hadn't thought about taking advantage of those moments and uh, giving yourself that challenge and then moving forward with it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that. I think it can make a huge difference. And, I, you know, I think it really has to come from a top down level, too, because I, I think people need permission for movement. Um, and I'm sorry to harken on alcohol. I drink, so I don't know why I'm being so hard on it, but it's easy for us to say, Hey, let's, let's go to the bar and get a drink. Um, but it's really weird when somebody says, Hey, let's go out and go for a walk. You know, it's just a matter of changing that, that observation of what movement can mean in a culture of a business. And I think when that starts to happen top down, it gives people permission to, you know, why is the boss's parking spot so close? What if his spot was all the way out? And how many extra steps do you really need uh, to make change your life? The research says not a lot. So uh, let's stop fighting for the closest parking lot. Let's give an employee of the month about a mile away from the front door and see how much better they are. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, um, I think to your point with the balance and the the brushing your teeth and all those little things, you know, you can do those on your own and then the leadership really needs to model it in the workplace. I think everything that has to do with culture um, at work really does help if it's driven from the top down. So sh showing that you as a leader are also committed to these types of habits and changes um, kind of inspires everyone else to do it. And I think you're right. I think it's culturally, it's weirder to ask someone to take a walk with you than to go to happy hour or, you know, grab a drink or coffee but we can change that and maybe you can't change it in the whole country, but we could change that within your own organization. So if you start to do it regardless of level and start asking people to take walks with you after work or whatever other activity it might be, depending on, um, you know, where you are, if it's snowing, I'm not walking outside with you. No way. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I think that there's a lot that people can do just within their own teams and groups and slowly start to grow that. So it might feel weird at first, but you can start a movement if you do it, um, regardless of your level. A movement, a movement. There you go. There's a lot of hallways in corporate America. So I think we got some miles to walk, uh, <laughs> rather you're in Minneapolis or Santa Barbara. For sure. True. I guess that's true. <laughs> I just, I fear the cold, which Not is why I, I'm in California. <laughs> but uh, um, I, I just imagine right now, Katina was talking about the weather earlier and I just can't imagine going outside, but yes, walk the hallways yeah. or find another place to walk. Yeah. When Patricia was in grad school, she wore a parka. I'll always remember like the very first day in state college Pennsylvania that it was like 60 degrees she came in in a parka <laughs> and I was like oh no this is not gonna this is not gonna be good for you <laughs> it's gonna get way yeah. colder than this and I definitely found my way back home yeah so. <laughs> um so thank you so much for sharing all this awesome insight and uh really cool um, information about ways that people can incorporate more movement into their daily lives and make a difference in their work and their attitudes. Um, is there anything else that you uh, want our listeners to know before we 
end with a final fun question, or I guess we think it's fun. We'll see if you think it's fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it doesn't have to be as epic as we all make it out to be. And it's just these really ordinary moments in a two millimeter shift of how you look at email or how you look at brushing your teeth and that there are simple ways to make change. And there are simple products out there. There are even ways to do it without products. So I hope people just make that first step towards change and not say that you have to get to the gym for an hour or we need to build a facility uh, in our offices to make that change. I think it's a banner of just meeting people where they are and introducing natural movement back into the workspace. Completely agree. Um, I think that that's a great point. Just keeping it small. Don't, don't freak out. Don't try to make it too big and you'll get there. Um, so our final fun question is what is one health and wellness fad you tried, but absolutely hated? Mm. Oh man. I, I know this one. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I had been on the road for what felt like forever. Uh, forgot what my kids and my wife looked like. And I was sitting in a hotel and it was like midnight and I'd just been at this big meal, one of those big steak client meals. And I'm sitting there and watching TV and I'm like, I should be asleep, but uh, on comes P90X. And I was like, <laughs> oh man, I, I, I could do that. I could be back in that shape. And P90X, I ordered it. It was at home where I got it, I had to install a, a pull-up bar. And uh, so I was I was drilling in the garage roof and I hit a knot with my drill, throws out my shoulder, totally tore my bicep tendon. I didn't do one day of P90X, but I got hurt by it. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I, I know people have had a ton of success with it, but I was uh, I was... I was on the bench before I got to start the game. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah there is no quick fix. So yeah, whenever you have to <laughs> install equipment into your house for a workout program, it's a little, uh, that's, that's a little too much for me. I actually did, um, insanity, which mm -hmm. is no equipment, but it's crazy. Kind of like P90X. And, um, yeah, I I did it. I don't think I'd do it again. Um, but uh, but I I did not uh, harm myself in that in that way. So uh, I I can see why you did not like that. <laughs> well, for all those listeners out there, maybe be careful if you're trying to install any equipment yes. for your workouts in the future. Yeah, it's, let's start with <laughs> the ordinary that. moments, right? Let's let's start with yeah. the basics. <laughs> Yes. Start start with balancing on one foot while you're brushing your teeth and walking around and bringing in that movement. And yeah. Then there's a there's a reason you didn't put a motor in the uh in the uh boards here because uh <laughs> lowest possible yes, lowest possibility of, of <laughs> physical danger possible. You found me out. <laughs> True. No installation required. Um very helpful. Well, thank you again, Joel, so much for joining us today. We really appreciated your time and talking about fluid stance and, and the physical movement that you've discovered to be so helpful and so beneficial for so many um, employees out there. Um, and we really appreciate your time and thank you again for joining us. Thanks you guys very much for having me on. Thanks again to Joel for joining us today for our interview with Fluid Stance founder. It was so fascinating. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you want to learn more about Fluid Stance, you can find them on their website, fluidstance.com. It's also linked in our show notes. And if you want to hear more about Worker Being, our website is workerbeing.com. 
You can also follow us on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, at WorkerBeing. And of course, we'd love for you to reach out if you have any questions or comments or feedback. You can find us at WorkerBeing at gmail.com. Thank you. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. Oh.